This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Ask Brothers Rant. Download all our content on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Just because I'm a black man, Max, doesn't mean that I don't indulge in some weird shit. And skiing is one of them. Ice skating is one of them, right? Because you wouldn't expect me on the ice, would you? I would not <laughs> expect you. I would not expect you on the ice. In fact, Manny, I didn't expect anyone on the ice to the point where after our pre or during our pre-podcast conversation, I made the proclamation that I don't think that there are that many and many black skiers. And man, there's fucking skiers from Kenya. There's skiers from Ghana. I mean, where the fuck did these guys get skis from? Because I don't think there's snow in fucking Kenya and Ghana. There's bobsleighers from Jamaica. Did you know they they have a bobsled team? Oh my God. See, that's because you're, you're in your own little bubble when you're thinking about the stereotype too much. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean we don't do it. Trust me, we get everywhere. But we're not necessarily good at it. But that doesn't mean it's we like, can do it. It's like black people apparently not eating pussy. Stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Well, <clears throat> I'll tell you this. We've caught up. <laughs> <laughs> we've come out of the dark ages, man. We've caught up. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, we're here now. All right, we're here. <laughs> Anyway, you've got bobsledders. You've got a lot of speed skaters, which makes a lot of sense that you would have speed skaters like fast twitch fiber and all that shit. Oh, fuck you. Well, listen, I mean, why not? Why why shouldn't we diversify this shit? I mean, we can't just be known for the same things like, you know, NBA players, NFL players, you know what I mean? Um, Sprinters. You've got to diversify these things, you know what I mean? So, hey, we're everywhere, man. And more power to them. More power to them. See, that might make me want to tune into the Winter Olympics because I usually don't because it's boring as hell. So, because we don't, we just don't do cold. Okay, we don't like cold. We like hot temperatures, tropical weather, and things like that. That's what we're used to. So, cold is not exactly in our makeup. I'll I'll tell you that now. I'm pretty sure you've you've got black people in in Canada and in cold places. They don't like cold either, right? They, they can deal with it, but I can guarantee they don't like it. You know, so that's why you wouldn't expect us on ice or in water or in gymnastics. But we're there. <laughs> what about roller skating? Ooh, I don't know about that. Maybe. I mean, my brother roller skates. He's got a pair. Like, and he goes to this something called the roller disco and it just <laughs> played like really good music. Pro- Is your brother still in the 80s? No, that's what they call it. I used to, I used to love it. I did when I was a kid. Yeah, that's that's what years. they call it. So they play really good music and stuff, and they just roller skate all night long. Like, it seems pretty cool. I, mean, I wouldn't go personally because, yeah, no. it's just not it's like thing. Soul Train. For that now. It's like Soul Train. Except there, no such thing. Out. No, hold on. There is no <laughs> such thing as being too old. Right? I saw a video of this eighty-two-year-old powerlifter. All right. So there is no such thing as being too old. I don't want to hear that. Okay, we do not. I don't want to hear that. You can do anything you want to. Age is just nothing but a number. It's a state of mind. So if you're eighty-two, so it's eight, if an eighty-two-year-old can do some powerlifting, and she probably can lift, she can probably lift Max because Max is you know just skin and bone really. So if an eighty-two-year-old can do it, you can do it too. There's no excuse. 
No, absolutely. Well, I'm going to see the, the Chemical Brothers on Friday, and uh, I'll probably be 20 in my head. <laughs> yeah. I'll still, I'll, I'll still probably put, end up waking up in the morning with my legs being fucked. I'll be having spew all over the side of me, and uh, you know, I'll probably be regretting everything I've had the, the night before. The Hickney, the Hickney goon of fucking cutting shapes and doing the Melvin Shuffle to Chemical Brothers. Oh yeah, hold on, what's the Absolutely. Melvin Shuffle? Well, uh, you know, munching on a disco Melbourne biscuit. Sh- Melbourne, yeah. sh- Melbourne Shuffle is this stupid fucking dance that got invented in Melbourne in the nineties, and it's like. I'm going to look this a up. A way oh. of rave dancing without lifting your feet off the ground. Okay, hold on. That's just, just, yeah, just, you, just YouTube Melbourne, Melbourne Shuffle, Shuffle and you'll just... Shoot, it's one of the first things that came up. Also, Fucking hell, shit. Shit. Let's Google Melbourne Shuffle this is how bad the This is how bad the football has been. We've spent the first five minutes of the podcast talking about going to raves... Black people skiing. And you haven't even introduced me either. I know. You, well, we've just accepted you as part of the furniture now. You just, oh, you're in. <laughs> After the conversation you walked into at the start before we started recording, you were like, what have I walked into here? Welcome was, welcome was, to the Arts Brothers. mild, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> now, Thank you, Brother Max. This is, this is, hold on. This is just shuffling. Don't don't start googling shuffle because you'll start getting all sorts of shit on there. No no no, I'm on I'm YouTube. Sure you this is pre- this is just shuffling, Max. There's nothing new it's about a Melbourne this. Shuffle, we invented it. Man, see here, I thought I was gonna walk into some new stuff, but it, this is just shuffling. I told you this, it was from was the nineties. What was that group called? That yeah, everyday I'm um, shuffling group. What were they called again? Everyday I'm shuffling. That one. What were they called again? Oh, God. Um, Hold on. Let me look at this one. LMFAO. That's the ones. See? Uh, That's the ones. Yeah, they they were the ones that made shuffling popular. But this this is just shuffling, Max. There's nothing new about this shit. But here, we spent the first five minutes just talking about random shit. I'm pretty sure for the first time listeners of this thing, right, they're probably just going to turn this off. Well, we're going to, you know, come to an Arsenal podcast and listen to Arsenal stuff. Well, you are, but this is the kind of stuff we talk about when we don't press record. So, I don't know. You just have to deal with it, I guess. But welcome. (laughs) 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 Welcome back to Hot Topics with the one and only Marmite himself. I'm the host of this shit. And I've got... Uh, you probably heard them. You probably recognise the voice of one. We've got Melbourne Max in the house. What's going on, bruv? Good, mate. Good. I'm uh, playing a golf tournament today. So I'm skiving off work again. And I'm podcasting about this uh, this shit show that, that is Arsenal. Once again. Well, you can do that. Well, you can do that. You can do that. You know what I mean? You're the boss at the end of the day. I don't know why you work so much sometimes. But there you go. You're a good lad. <laughs> now my next guest actually is a first timer on this shit first timer on this platform and we're taking him away from his comfort zone of being the host and the host of a very good podcast on my head one of my favorite podcasts of the year if you haven't listened to it i'm plugging it right now from dow square to where Awesome podcast with Nigel Winterburn. I was listening to it on my night shift because those are the type of things I like to listen to. A podcast with positivity and a lot of great stories from the past. Awesome listen. 
So we've got Andrew in the house, aka the Hinkley Guna. Welcome to Ask Bros. Welcome to the most degenerate platform on Arsenal podcasting. How you doing, mate? Oh, good, thanks. Good, thank you, man. I'm really pleased to be here, and uh, you're a fantastic liar because you know how I know you're lying. Because if you <laughs> said that you've been listening to my show, it hasn't been very positive lately, you know. Uh, so, but yeah, thank you. Thanks for that. And, uh, hey, man. Like I said, it was a good podcast and I enjoyed it. I took the positivity out of it. All right. You did. And uh, I, I am positive about a few things, but there's not a lot to be that positive about at the moment, is there? Well, really? but I'm, I'm not sure going to we'll get onto that. I'm not going to lie. The Nigel, the Nigel Winterburn one was the first one I listened to. And I'm kind of glad I did because it lifted my spirit a little bit because we are in a shower of shit at the minute. Now, to those that were listening to the first episode, actually, of this, Hot Topics, thank you very much for listening, so you know exactly what we do here. So, Andrew, let me give you a little bit of a reminder of what it is we do. We take one topic and we strip it bare, but unlike in a strip club, you can actually touch this one, right? You can touch it, fondle with it, do whatever you want to do with it, you know, put a hole in the pile, whatever. Um. So, yeah, let's get into it. So the topic we're going to talk about tonight is this squad and whether it's a top four squad or not. It was at this point that we realized that Manny's audio had in fact dropped out, even though we could still hear him, it wasn't recording. And so to give the next little piece a bit of context until I can slice it up, and get it back happening. Uh, Manny asked us what our most controversial comment about Arsenal was and what or who our favourite player of the decade was. So hopefully this all kind of makes sense. If not, well, what the fuck do you want me to do about it? Deal with it. Cheers, guys. Okay, my controversial opinion is... Aubameyang is not the player that the Arsenal fan base believe him to be. Well, I've kind of been spending a bit of time looking at Arsenal's squad over the last week, right? And kind of been looking at previous squads and previous players. And when I thought that we were last genuinely competitive, I mean genuinely competitive, um. And the last time I think that we had a team that either should have won or could have won was our 2008 squad. Now, for those of you who, who, who don't go back that far or who have, have soft memories, that was the year when Eduardo got fucked up, right? So I've been, I've been going back through and I've been looking at squads and looking at players. Now, to bring it around to Aubameyang and why... And that this is not me saying that Aubameyang isn't a good player, right? That's not what I'm saying. It was, it is me saying that I don't think he's the player that the Arsenal fan base think he is. And by that, what I mean is I don't think that he is at the same level as our other truly great strikers. And to an extent, I think that there are other strikers in the Premier League who offer more than what Aubameyang offers. And my thing with Aubameyang, I kind of covered a little bit on last week's show, is that I think he's very much 
an icing player. I think he's very much dusting on top of something that works better. And I don't know whether or not we're, with this current Arsenal squad, with this current setup, if we're ever going to be able to see the absolute best out of him. But my kind of unpopular comment is that overall, I think a different striker with different attributes, more biased towards build-up and more biased towards link-up that a different player with a different skill set right now could be more beneficial to Arsenal. All right. So, Andrew, it's your turn, man. Give me your most controversial comment about any Arsenal player or squad in the last decade and your player of the decade, please. Mm, well, my probably my controversial comment is that I do think that the squad that we've got at the moment is still good enough to get third place in the Premier League under a decent mm-hmm. coach. And the most valuable player in our squad at the moment, and this is probably the controversial thing, is probably Gabriel Martinelli. Mm. Because of his incredible high ceiling and potential. And the vultures are going to be circling around him all the time. And we need to wrap that guy in cotton wool. And I have heard several comments that we will be able to sell the guy in two or three seasons' time to Real Madrid or Barcelona for 80, 100 million quid. And I said, no, no, I don't want to. I want to keep that guy so he can help us get to where we want to go. And, Mm. yeah, for me, I think at the moment, I would be happy to sell anyone apart from Martinelli. So that's probably my controversial comment. The player of the last decade, in my opinion... Yeah. is probably Alexis Sanchez. Oh. He was the guy that got me out my seat oh. when he was at the, his peak. Say it again. Say it again. Oh, finally. When he finally when he was when he was in the, at his peak, he got me off my seat and made me really excited to watch the Arsenal. The, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Max. And I heard you groaning there. Have you got a rebuttal for the man? He was truly world class and um, he changed games on his own. He dragged us through a shit period with a shit squad and took us to places that we wouldn't have got without him. And yeah, I loved watching the guy. See, Max. Max, you got the floor, bro. <sighs> I had issues with Alexis Sanchez from the start. From the start. And the Alexis Sanchez comment buys straight into what I said earlier on about the Aubameyang comment. And I just think that sometimes these players, their overall contributions to the teams... You know, Alexis Sanchez more so. Alexis Sanchez much more so. But such was his fucking arrogance. Such was his desire to do everything everything by himself and fucking cut inside onto the right foot and cut inside onto the right foot and then fucking cut inside onto the right foot that by the time he'd finished a season everyone knew what the cunt was going to fucking do 
And a lot used to break down with him. And despite him being, you know, getting us up off our seats throughout that period of time, I found him incredibly fucking frustrating because for a period of time, everything fucking had to go through Alexis. And he demanded it because he was such a fucking cunt. So, no. No, Alexis can fuck off. Fucking Alexis. Why do you watch football? What, what? Why no, do you no, watch I, football, I watch. I watch football for so my fondest, like <laughs> my fondest moments to do with Arsenal are always our team goals. Like if someone asks me what gets me, like what gets me most erect, like fully erect, like that that an inch longer than it should be erect, and it's like the Rosicky tick attacker goal, the Jack Wilshere tick attacker goal. There's an Henri goal from a, a few years ago. I've forgotten who it was against, but it's like a bit of tick-attack around the box. It finds Ashley Cole standing right on the penalty box who like one touches it back to Henri and Henri just blasts it into the bottom corner. Like the way I've always seen Arsenal and the thing that's always made me an Arsenal fan has always been, I don't know, maybe I'm still too Vengarian, but that, that idea of it being a collective and there are there are there are players who are just they're just not a collective. And Alexis Sanchez just was was never a collective for me. He was a guy who thought that he was better than the team, better than the squad, better than the players around him. And for me, really got found out a year, a year and a half in for everything that he was going to do. Defenders knew what he was going to do. He was a one-dimensional player whose one dimension just happened to be absolutely world class. Well, I and Robin and uh, Riyad Mahrez are making a good living, or have made a good living out of it. I know I and Robin is uh, retired now, but he carried on his whole career Say doing it the same again. thing. So did Say Riyad Mahrez. Yep. Say it again. You need, Actually, you need players with with arrogance to for, to have those moments to get you off your seat. I mean, look at Ronaldo. Do you think he's a team player? I think he has better. He, link, he I think he has himself. better link up play. He plays for himself. Yeah, I, I honestly... Man, Max... Play, no. No. No, no. Max, I mean, okay. okay Mesut Ozil playing for Arsenal as soon as Alexis Sanchez left. Man, Mesut Ozil stopped playing for Arsenal the minute he signed for Arsenal. Let's get that. Let's get that correct. Okay, that's the most overrated player, period. All right, I believe, anyway, in the last decade. But, Max, I don't think we got your player of the decade. So, who is your player of the decade? Matthew Flamini. <laughs> you know who I you know who I want you know who I want to say Manny you know the first you know the first name oh. we talk about players of the decade but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go there because that's said from a place of love right that that you know most of our listeners will understand right so you know I don't even know whether I need to verbalize it everyone knows my love for Theo Walcott right? but I'm not gonna go there I'm not gonna go there Player of the decade. <laughs> Fuck, there haven't been very many, have there? O- honestly, Man, like if I'm looking, on. if if we've I'm had looking, a, we've at had this, a couple. You know, we've had a couple of like really good players. Like, I don't know. Come back to me. Come back to me, because I'm in I'm in struggle town. Jesus Christ, you 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 suck at this, bro. So okay. I do. I, Here's my controversial comment. Right? Here's my controversial comment. 
Alexis Sanchez is an Arsenal legend. That's my controversial comment. And let me back that up. Let me back that up. Let me back it up, Max. Let me back it up. You look at his contribution to the team in the period that he came in, right? There is no other player in the Emirates era that had as big of impact as Alexis Sanchez. People lord over Aaron Ramsey for what he did in the FA Cup. Two winners. You cannot gloss over that. But Sanchez also scored two FA Cup goals. Not FA Cup final goals. Not winners, but goals. The go-to in big games, he stood out. Goals, assists. I know, I understand what you're saying, Max, about his arrogance and things like that. But every top-level player has that level of arrogance. You only got to go back and see the comments that Thiago Silva made about Messi in their recent, you know, friendly game between Argentina and Brazil. Every top player has that level of arrogance and 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 I'm better than anyone than everyone. Ronaldo has it. Henri had it for a period, right? I'm pretty sure the Aguero's have it. I'm pretty sure the Suarez have it. You're not a top player if you haven't got that level of arrogance about you. And he had that. I understand he was a cunt. I understand he did a lot, you know, he was a petulant child at times, but we cannot gloss over his contribution to Arsenal Football Club for the three and a half years that he was in. And had we had a better manager, a better team, we definitely would have won at least one Premier League title while he was at his pump. That's what I believe. And my player of the decade. I just fucking hate the cunt. It's the same person again. Can I not fucking hate the cunt? Man, Max, you can hate him, but you cannot deny his contribution to us. He had a bigger impact on us than Robin Van Persie, bro. Like, let's be real. Let's be real. In the time that he was here, no player had a bigger impact on us. It's just that simple. Had we had the players that we needed, right? We would have won a league title with the dude. You cannot deny that, mate. You can't. I know you hate him, right? But you cannot deny that, bruv. You can't. Can I say something? Can you imagine yes. if if he hadn't left and... Say Mesut Ozil left instead of him. Can mm. you imagine him on the left now with Aubameyang in the middle and Pepe on the right and if we had a decent coach... Not could because actually fucking Emery would, those be three players? At, Emery would be playing him at fucking left back. This is what I mean. If we had, if, if had a decent <laughs> coach... You know, it's just, if we still had him in the squad and we changed our manager yeah. now, you know, I'm, I'm, he hasn't turned into a shit player. I mean, look, he's playing well in in, uh, in in Italy now as well. He still would do a good job for us on the left, which we're desperately short of now. 100%. But, uh, do you know what? Uh, the tick attacker stuff was lovely when it worked, but how often did that work? It worked probably once in a hundred times, if that. And what you need sometimes is someone to grab your team by the scruff of the neck and smash one in from 25, 30 yards. And, th- and just, he literally did that on so many occasions. And that So gets, many occasions. I mean, it, it bores you to tears when you, when you try and pass the team to death, you know, and, and don't take a shot around the, around the, the box. I wanted someone to actually come in and actually take a shot and be confident enough to take a shot and just score long-range goals because I find that much more exciting on loads of occasions. Ah, Max, Max, you're not going to win this one, bro. All right, give us your player of the decade, man, so we can get into this hot topic, bro. Quick dancing around around it. 
Well, I mean, look, I look at... I've just gone through literally every player since 2010. And I tell you what, okay. there hasn't been a lot. There, there has not been a lot for us to <sighs> fucking get up about. If I'm looking at players who I absolutely loved, uh, Bakare Sanya, I think was one of the biggest losses to this club. I, al- I almost think at the time that Sanya left, it was one of the biggest losses to Arsenal that was never really thought about that much. It was, it was never really kind of conversed that much. I mean, Sesk was still at the club in 2010. So Sesk requires a shout. Ugh. I can't. Pick I mean, one, man. You know Hurry up. Fuck it. Aaron Ramsey. Aaron Ramsey. FA Cup goals delivered. There you go. Not my favourite player, but if you want to talk about the player who's had maybe the most impact on the club as far as getting us out of the dark ages, and you would argue that Ramsey, despite not being fantastic for large periods of time, his contributions within the FA Cups, a bit like you guys were saying about Sanchez, his popping up in big games, you know, Aaron Ramsey, but also Theo Walcott for just being my boy. Go sit down, Max. You, you, just you, want me you to just leave? Danced you around to leave it, the and then just, 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 just go sit down. Does it not make a point that I that I struggled so hard to play? You give me pre, I'll give you ten names. You give me say say I'm not even talking invincibles. Remove all the invincibles. You even give me names out of the kind of oh six, oh seven, oh eight, oh nine squads, and I can give you like five or ten players. We stopped buying world class players until Alexis Sanchez and Özil, and I don't like either of them. Since then, the only world-class player that we bought, you know, for all intents and purposes, is is Aubameyang. Maybe Lacazette just starts kind of scratching into that category. But we don't buy world-class players anymore because we haven't been a top team for a decade. We haven't been there for a decade. We've been an FA Cup team. That's why it's hard for me to pick players. That's why it's hard for me to pick top, top players. Who the fuck am I going to choose, bruv? So if I don't choose Man, Alexis, not, I didn't ask if I, you. I didn't if ask I don't you choose to Alexis, pick top and if I don't top choose players. Ramsey, the fuck Max, do I, choose? I didn't ask you to pick top top players. I asked you to pick your favorite oh, Thomas player Rizitsky. of the last decade. Thomas Thomas Rosicki. Do you pay man, attention? I thought, I thought it was the man, best player of the decade, down, the number one go player of the fucking decade. Fuck go you, sit I'm down. going on quiet. You talk to fucking go, go sit down. Fucking piece get, of get, shit. Get, go, go sit down. You fucked this up. You Fuck fucked you. this up. You're such a prick. Oh my god. Fucking hell. Anyway. See, this is what I have to deal with, Andrew. I have to deal with this idiot who doesn't fucking pay attention. This is what happens I, when you don't listen. I really was worried that you're going to go for Bakary Sanya for at one point. I mean, God. Yeah, no, he's a great player and underrated. I do like Bakary Sanya, but player of the decade, favourite player of the decade. <laughs> I was just about to nod off. I think I would have preferred Matthew Flamini. Jesus, I love me some Flim Flam. I love me some Matthew why the fuck? Why the fuck did you come back? Why did you come back? Right, well, <laughs> now, now you're do, listening. I felt I, had to do, I felt I had to defend myself. Oh, now you're listening, right? So yet you listened, you wouldn't have danced around the damn issue for so long. But anyway, let's go into the topic. All uh, right, and and I think we can all agree that Max is a fucking idiot who needs to clean his ears and pay more attention <laughs> when we're asking him questions. All right. So, like I mentioned on the top of this, right, the topic that we're gonna try to to strip bare is whether this current 
Arsenal squad is a top four squad or not. Now, how this all came about, funnily enough, you cast your minds back to the Newcastle game. And I was watching it. And I looked at the squad, the starting eleven, and the bench. And I thought about the players that were missing on that day. And I said to myself, you know what? We've got the third best squad in the league at the moment. Now let me refresh your memories of what that squad was on the day. So it was Leno, Maitland-Niles, Chambers, Socrates, Monreal, Xhaka, Gwendouzi, Willock, Mkhitaryan, Nelson and Aubameyang. Our subs were Martinez, David Luiz, Torreira, Ceballos, Pepe, Martinelli and Lacazette. Now at the time we were missing Holden, Bellerin, Tierney, Ozil wasn't in the squad. Kalasinak wasn't in the squad and I thought to myself when all of these guys become fit we actually have a decent squad here so now I'm going to ask you guys and we're going to break it down position by position let's start from the strikers and we're going to go backwards because for whatever reason people like starting with the goalkeepers but I want to start with our strikers our two top strikers are these guys top four quality or not 100%. 100%. Who wants to yes. pick up, man? Let's go. 100 percent. 100 yes. Why? I think that in I think that in Lacazette you have a connective striker, a striker who wants to come mm-hmm. deep, who wants to fight for the ball, who wants to Hold on, who is happy minute. to get Andrew, the what ball. the hell are you doing over there? Hold on, Max. Andrew, what the hell are you doing? Sorry, I'm looking at my uh, my notes. I do big pardon. <laughs> Russell, 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 Russell. Look, in Lacazette, I, know, I think yeah. in Lacazette, I think that you have a build-up player. I think in the Premiership, we've seen over the last decade that mm. the the pure striker, the pure striking role, as much as it's important, it's not important in every single game. And I mean, if we're talking about that pure strike role, I guess we're talking about that Defoe type striker or we're talking about uh, you know modern day that Jamie Vardy type striker those guys who sit at the head of the box and what they do is finish and I think Lacazette provides us with something that is more actually of a modern striker not a throwback striker I mean even if you look at the game against Southampton Lacazette was man of the match for me and that was based on his ability to hold the ball his ability to be strong his ability to bump off defenders and when he's on his ability to to turn and shoot, and I'm a big Lacazette fan. Like I'm a big, I haven't been this season. I think he's been terribly off form, even when he's come back in. He's, he it looks like a little bit of a whingy bitch sometimes, but you know, at the moment, I, I'm I'm sort of down with him. And then as a as a as as I have said on so many podcasts, in my opinion, it is Lacazette or Aubameyang, not both. Not unless you're going out against a, a, a flat a team you can just bully. And to bully a team, you need to hold possession. And Arsenal don't hold possession. But let's not talk about the team. That, that was one of the rules we spoke about tonight. Even though there are no rules, we don't want to talk about, about the coach or about the system. If we're just talking purely about the players, I don't Purely think, about the players, bro. I don't think that there is anything at Chelsea that is better than what we have. I don't think there's anything mm. at Man U that is better than what we have. I don't think there's anything at Leicester that is better than what we have. So on that logic alone, our strikers are top four quality. 
Okay. Andrew, you got a rebuttal for the man? Do you do you agree with Max that our two strikers, when on form, are top four quality? And you know what? Throw, Martin, two... throw Martinelli in there as well. I was just going to say, that's yep. a, Can you? you're completely omitting emit, my favourite player who deserves to start on the on, on the left. I, 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 uh, unfortunately, I'm... our manager hasn't got the balls to only play one of Lacazette and, or Aubameyang. Um, but I'm not Michael Cox. I'm not going to go into all the analysis of all the runs they, they do left and right, left and right. Lacazette and Aubameyang should be in the box, only being one of them at a time, and they score goals. I mean, there's not many players in the league that would have scored that goal in the last minute against Spurs of the, of the first half when he just thought, fuck this, and he went straight through two rows of players and bashed one in with his weaker foot into the top corner of the, of the net. You know, that's a good attitude. That's great finishing. And both mm-hmm. uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang are great finishers and they need to be in the box. And any other team would be happy to have either one of them. And um, they are unrivaled. Well, if you think about Manchester United, Chelsea, Leicester. Leicester have got one great striker. There's no doubt mm-hmm. that he, oh, Jamie Vardy is a quality striker. He seems to be getting better with age. Um, but that's all they've got. Next down in, mm. in line is Ian Atcho. And he ain't scored a goal in the last decade, probably. <laughs> so we are very, we're very strong up front. And if you can include Pepe, and I don't, I don't want to go through any kind of critique of Pepe at the moment. I don't think you can really give any any of our squad, to be perfectly honest, at the moment. You can't critique any of them this season with the oh, way yes, you're going. Well, we, uh, that's debatable. I can do that everything, another day. Everything has to be put with about. a caveat. Everything has to be put with a caveat when you're talking about yeah, players uh, in the squad right now. I think so. I think so. I really do. Mm, but we're, we're not, uh, we're, this, isn't, this podcast isn't about that. But anyway, if you can count yeah. <laughs> Martinelli, you count Lacazette, you count Aubameyang, it's up there with, on form, it's up there with Liverpool's front three, for my opinion. It's the only That's... part of our squad, in fact, that would get oh. anywhere near the top two, which we're not talking about. Oh, no, I think if you put Lacazette, no, if you put Lacazette and Aubameyang into the functional midfield that Liverpool have, where they transition a ball from front to back with powerful ball runners, uh, you've got two, like, mate, they're going to they're gonna score goals. They're going to score goals. It's as simple as no, that. No, I, I, I so, agree with you. I agree with you, but 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 our front three matches live... Mm. It's, it's, it's comparable. Mm. It's comparable. And, and I'll I tell you what, I don't... I, don't, I mean, this, this is going to sound crazy to a lot of your listeners, a lot of your listeners, but I don't rate Salah as highly as a lot of people do. He had a crack, amazing season. But his amazing mm-hmm. season was on a par with an, a, a good Aubameyang season. And Aubameyang has done it for over far many more years than he has. Regardless oh, number 100%. Of goals. And number of goals, uh, well, scoring a goal is the most valuable commodity in football. That's what it's all oh, about. The, of and course. Aubameyang is, is head and shoulders above most people across Europe for numbers Going from he's not slowing down either, so he could, could do the same for another two or three seasons easy in my opinion. So yeah, mate, look, uh, we've I, got I a very valuable player. 
Bang, we do, yeah. and I think on the, on the, on the top of this, we mentioned about about age. I mean, look at Robert Lewandowski at the minute. The guy's got what twenty seven goals, and exactly. we're in November, right? Yeah. And he's what thirty one, thirty two, something like that. So age really is is forget about that. If you're a striker and and if you know how to put the ball in the back of the net, you don't lose that sort of instinct. And I think Aubameyang is one of those guys when he loses his pace because that is going to come. His movement and his quickness of thought is going to mean that he's still scoring 20 goals even when he's 33, 34 years old simply because he knows how to get there. Lacazette, the way he plays the game, high energy, pressing, he's intense in his character. He's intense in even his celebrations. The one that you mentioned about Tottenham, just look at his celebration. Just stood there, very intent. He's not. He's not afraid to show his emotions. Sometimes negatively, so you know. Sometimes I think he's a bit petulant. You know what I mean? He he's got a, you know a chip on his shoulder. You can see it, and he plays like that. But you wouldn't want to take that away from his character because I think that's what drives him. And I agree with you guys that we've got two top strikers. If they had what they needed in behind them. We wouldn't even be talking about getting into the top four. We would be already in it. So I agree with you guys on that one. Now let's go. Oh, God. This part of the team, the midfield. When all of our midfielders are fit, put Ozo in that one as well because he's a midfielder. Can you truly say that that midfield is top four quality? Max, I'm coming to you first, bruv. Well... Can I ask a question for clarification, please, Mr. Adjudicator? Yes, you can, bruv. Do we include Pepe as a member of the midfield? If we're going to put Martinelli in a group of strikers, then we put Pepe in there as well. Yeah, so Pepe, so we take so Pepe, Pepe is part of that. So we're going to say that Pepe is part of that strike force in, let's call it a, a forward three. That quartet. Yeah, okay. Okay, so removing okay. him and therefore even just solidifying the argument that we just made, Lacazette, Aubameyang, Pepe and Martinelli, I would argue that that's mm-hmm. pushing the top two for ability. So, you know, I, I think that I think that finalises that once we put Pepe in there. And all these motherfuckers giving Pepe shit all these motherfuckers saying that Pepe needs to go home and what a waste of money and all this stuff. You have not seen him in a functional role. And if you go and look at what he was doing in France, yes, it's a step-down league, but if you go and look at what he was doing in France, that boy had, like, the arrogance of Mbappe. I mean, he was getting on the ball and he was driving. And when mm. you take when you take young men, young men are so built on confidence that once you strip that confidence, you you're not getting a true indicator of what that guy's skill is. So that's my thing there. Going on to our fucking dysfunctional bullshit midfield, I would argue that every midfield in the top six, and I'm even going to go down into like Wolves midfields and place that are better than what we currently have. So I'm not the biggest Torreira fan, right? I I think that he is... A very good Why? Oh, go, 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 go into this one, man. Rip into this that, one because we've, 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 had, a, we've had discussions about this yeah. offside, offline, right? So I think that Please. Terreira, I think that Terreira is, Tell a, us. is a very good player. I don't think he's necessarily really, really suited to the Premiership, the style of player that he, he wants to be. And that's not me saying that he's not good or that I didn't enjoy him last season in parts or he's running around. And that's not to say that I'm not 
taking into account the fact that he's being mismanaged and used in the wrong system and you know all of these things that are, are the conversation pieces around him. When I say that I don't love Torreira, it means that I would actually prefer a different style of player in that position. If you were to offer me Torreira and you were to offer me, say, Nzonzi when we bought Torreira, my preference would be to go with an Nzonzi. My preference would be to go with a Fernandinho-style player, a little bit longer, a little bit rangier, a little bit more box-to-box. I have issues with some of the South American petulance, the rolling around on the floor, uh, bits and pieces of that. So I don't think that Torreira is this this world, world-class player that we bought. Yeah, but hold and- on, Max. Hold on, hold on, Max. Hold on a sec, bruv. Because you see, you talk about you prefer an Nzonzi over a Torreira. So let me ask you this. A player that is in the same sort of stature as Torreira, would you take a Kante or an Nzonzi? That's different because Kante is the best at what no, Torreira no, 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 is no, 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 it's not. It's not different. They play the same type of position. They've, they're the same sort of stature. They're the, you know, same height, same size. So would you take a Kante or an Nzonzi? On skill set alone, Kante. So, you can't just say that you would take an Nzonzi over Torreira because it seems like you're picking on his stature. Torreira isn't as good as Kante. So it's a moot point. But Max, it seems seems to to me that you're picking on Torreira just because of his stature. I'm not picking on Torreira because of his stature alone. I'm just talking about like power players and lung-busting players. And anyway, you know, semantics. I am not, though I am not an anti-Torreira fan, the preface of what I was saying was, mm-hmm. I'm also not a Torreira fanboy. So let's just put that to one side. Um, Genduzi okay. has a huge ceiling. A huge ceiling. That boy should never have played 50% of the games that he's played for Arsenal Agreed. in the last two seasons. Agreed. Right? He never mm-hmm. should have been. He's 19. He's very lightweight. He has the acceleration of a fucking jumbo jet without wheels. He gets fucking run past. He wants to grab control of games and be aggressive. He gets himself into bad positions. He vacates midfield. And all of this stuff is acceptable for a 19-year-old. And the simple fact of the matter is, why the fuck were Arsenal and why the fuck were Emery when they bought in these players? Was their game plan like, oh, you know what? This fucking 19-year-old's going to general our midfield in a dual pivot. It never could have been the plan. And and now I think we run the risk of of burning him out. I, I think we've already burned him out a bit. I think we run the risk of not allowing him to develop at the pace which a 19-year-old needs to be able to develop. And I know there's two arguments to that side of the coin, and it's you either play them and they develop through playing minutes or you feed them in. But like, who's there teaching him? Who's there showing him? What, fucking Granite Jacker? Like, Granite Jack is fucking teaching him how to fucking behave. Like, there's, there's not, only in, not only in our midfield is there a lack of physicality, not only in our midfield is there a lack of athleticism, not only in our midfield is there a lack of seemingly positional awareness, coach or not coach, but there's no leadership. And I mean, any form of leadership, it's all about having guys who are senior in their role who have been there before showing the younger guys, this is what we do. This is how we do this. The chips are down. This is how we do this. I'll show you Mm. when to go. I'll show you when to stay. And that's the problem with our midfield. You know, we haven't had a midfield leader forever. And I would argue that, like, 
someone posed the question the other day. I'll stop waffling and, and let Andrew have a go in a minute. But someone posed the question the other day, would you rather Ndidi, Madison and Tillemans? I was like, yes. 100%, right? Yes. right? Right like now? Immediately, like immediately, shut right the now? fuck up. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. 100%. Now, Andrew, I've got two questions mm. for you, mate. All right. One is our midfield top four quality. And if not, what are we missing? What are some of the ingredients that we're missing for this midfield to be top four quality? I I don't understand why you think Max have got no athleticism in the midfield at the moment. Uh, we have, and the problem is with Matteo Guendouzi. He shouldn't have stepped foot on the pitch last last season at all. Mm. He should be making a bit part appearance this season. But the problem is with him is that I, I love the guy and I, he he's got so much ability, but he is picking up so many bad uh, habits that he's going to find it harder and harder and harder to get rid of in his career. And we're ruining Agreed. that kid. We're yep. ruining mm-hmm. him. He, he's doing whatever for the fuck he wants on that pitch. Preach. He's got no guidance whatsoever. Now, he is... You don't need to be Linford Christie to play in the centre of a midfield. You Look at Michael Carrick. Was he a good midfielder? Mm. You know... Matteo Guendouzi, if he's coached properly, could be someone of that sort of ilk in the future. Slowly play, literally controlling the game. He's got the intelligence to control the game, but he's not. Mm -hmm. He's doing whatever the fuck he wants. Now, Torreira, I like Torreira. I think he could be a really, really good player. He's shown it for his country. He's shown it in Italy. But for us... He's doing what the fuck he wants. And he's been put, somehow, our current coach thinks he's the new Eden Hazard. So he's playing him <laughs> up front. I mean, what, I don't know, we're not going to go into all that stuff. But the problem with with Torreira is, I'm sick of all his whinging. Every time he turns around, he wants to leave. Well, just leave then. Mm. Just get yep. rid of him. I said that you know, to Mandy the, the case, other day. Just go. I don't give a yeah. fuck, mate. It just, just if you, if I keep hearing from your agent that you want to go, just fuck off. You know that's the problem with Torreira, and he's just crying when he's not moaning about wanting to go back to Italy. He's crying, so uh, that's the problem I've got with Torreira. His mentality, his personality, is that up to scratch? I don't know. I because think you just, just I think balls, you mate. just hit the. I think you just hit the nail on the head for me, Andrew. Right on the head. Into, yeah. You just put into words maybe why I don't like him. And maybe why, when I'm saying I, you know, I want a bigger or a more physical dominant player, it's, it's. Maybe I mean that in the sense of personality as much as I mean it in the sense of physique, you know, that that if you're going to yeah, hold Max, down that role in a team, Max, you need. Max, not every not every player, right? Big, small, or whatever, has the mentality to play in their positions. So it doesn't matter, you could be a Torreira or you could be an Nzonzi. If you haven't got the mentality, it doesn't matter what you do. And that's something that we're going to come into a bit more later on because there's one player that stands out to mind for me when it comes when it comes to mentality. But it doesn't matter whether you're big, small or whatever. If you haven't got it upstairs, you're not going to go anywhere. And I agree when Andrew says that he doesn't think that Torreira has it because I agree with that. There was no, past last season. So. 
undoubtedly Torreira was one of our best players in the first half of the season. But when things got tough, when he started to get found out a little bit, when he started to run out of steam, he bailed mentally. He bailed. And when you bail mentally, physically, he was gone. And he hasn't got back to that. I agree with you guys. He's bitching. He's moaning. He's never settled in. Right, with the English life, he can't. He, not everyone makes it in the Premier League. Not a lot of South American players, period, make it in the Premier League because they, it takes them out of their comfort zone. You know what I mean? You have to learn the new language. It's cold, it's physical. You know what I mean? You got to go to places where they kick you 90% of the time. But those South American players who make it, a lot of them going to be great. Aguero, Suarez, Gilberto Silva. There's not a lot of them, but when they do, sky's the limit. Banjo, I'm going to come back to you again. You look at Martinelli, talking about South American mentality. He's got the mentality because he wants to be the best player in the world. Mm. And he he could well be. Anyway, going back to the midfield. I think Genduzi has the mentality as well. You know, Genduzi's not lacking in, in his Genduzi mentality. needs to be reined in, man. He's too far. He, he's gone too far down that exactly. track. Yeah. I want exactly. Yeah. I want his mentality to say. come I, back I, a bit. He I needs want to be him to in. humble himself a bit now. 100%. Exactly. Watford, away to Watford, right, is a, is a perfect example of he's still a baby. Right, that that you know when he's coming off the pitch and you know seeing the two one and doing that with his hands and signaling to the crowd and whatnot. That game. I really just wanted to grab him by the neck and squeeze because you saw that he's still a child. But there is nobody in that squad that can tell him anything, especially the the most experienced players, because they're making more mistakes than he does. The only players that you would think that would come around him and go, hey, you need to settle down are Lacazette and Aubameyang. But are they doing it or they're just the fun, you know, the the fun uncle or the fun parents? Do you know what I mean? So, Mm. I don't know. Uh, I think our midfield sucks. <laughs> well, Andrew, go, Andrew, what do you think of, Andrew, what do you think of Ceballos? That, uh, that's well, the one that we that haven't is, spoken about. Well, mm. uh, I think that Ceballos would be absolutely perfect for the role that our head coach wants Xhaka to play. Yes. Now, he's a, he could play in the hole, in between the defence and midfield, perfectly, I think. Because he's very good press resistant player, and if he had someone alongside him, which we haven't got, this is the player we're missing. And for any player that we we absolutely desperately need, it's not the central defenders that everyone wants, which we do need, but mm-hmm. our most pressing need is someone like I would say Thomas Party from Atletico Madrid, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Someone he's with quality. stature with very um a very good strong mentality well disciplined and who could break out himself uh when 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 the, the need arose but also break up play uh, and carry the ball someone's very confident on the ball like him but do you know who mm. we could possibly have in our squad that could do that unfortunately i'm thinking it's going to take probably about another two seasons Willock. If Willock get down the gym, bulked up a bit, and matured as a player, under mm. the correct coach, he has all the ability to be a player like Thomas Party, 
He's too thin at the moment. He, he, he's too raw. But yeah. I think in a couple of years' time, he could be an absolutely fantastic player. Not quite, not as good as, uh, obviously, as, as a Vieira, but a very similar type player to Vieira. But he would need to be trained properly and he'd need to bulk up a bit. Yeah. But he, I think he's got that ability to do that. Um, yeah. So I've got it, a lot of faith in, in him. Yeah. But Ceballos, I, I think he season, could man. get... If he's disciplined, the problem with Ceballos is another one that's, that's not going to get out of this habit. He goes, but he goes, Ceballos is him. another one who goes where he wants, when he wants. Well, that's what, exactly. He follows yeah, the ball. It, well, he, he it, recognizes is this not, that himself. Is this not that. systemic then? Are we not seeing that if we're actually tossing up yeah. what the systemic issue with Arsenal's midfield is, it's that there's no co- cohesive structure or pattern play there's no plan A, no plan B, no plan C. And when I talk about that stuff, I mean, okay. I mean, you talk about the fucking crater that was left in midfield against Southampton, right? The ginormous <laughs> hole that was what? left in midfield against Southampton <laughs> while Genduzi and Torreira are standing on the edge of the six-yard box. Like, where is the fucking positional awareness now? Where's one staying, one's going? We're in a transitional period now. We both need to sit. Where's the communication between the two of them? You know, I'm looking at this midfield and I'm looking at... Look, Xhaka, Xhaka, I don't even want to fucking talk about Xhaka, right? Xhaka's gone. I've never been a huge fan of his. I've always understood that there are certain skill sets that he provides that other people don't. But he's got no legs. He's fucking Lieutenant Dan trying to catch fish on a fucking shrimp boat in a fucking sling, right? He's fucked. So I'm just going to remove him. Right? Torreira we spoke about. <laughs> In a sling, I like that bit. we've fucking spoken about. You ain't got no legs, Lieutenant Dayan. Um, Sabios, <laughs> I don't know what Sabios is. <laughs> I've seen Sabios. is a, is a good number eight. He's yeah, I've seen. Eight. He's a number yeah, eight. But he's, yeah, he's, but he's, he's not in the hole unless you put the right player next to him. So Sabios for me is a, is a dual pivot, which means if you're going to have Sabios in a dual pivot, Sabios is the player who I would most like to be getting the ball off the back for. Right, that that makes exactly. sense to me. Go, you're press resistant. You're technical. Go get the ball. Go get the ball and turn, move, spread it out. But then he's always going to want to break, and he's a player who wants to get close to other players. And he wants to give and go with players. And we saw, which game was it? Which game was it? He had quite the good game with Özil. Was it Leicester? Uh, or was it no, the game it before that? It was that. Well, might have been Leicester. Might have been the game before that where Sabayos had. It was his. Wolves, it was his first decent Wolves. game since Burnley. And that was because Burnley, he got yeah. close to Ozil and he had a give and go and they were playing around. So, you know, I have doubts with Ceballos' positional awareness of whether... Do you know what? Like, if I'm just going to break it down and just... The issue with Arsenal's midfield is that it's individuals. There are no actual teams. There are no actual partnerships. And midfields are built on partnerships. And if you're asking me, I would probably look at I'd say Chelsea's midfield is is has better partnerships in it than what ours does. I think Leicester's midfield certainly has better partnerships than what ours does. And really, for me, it's a fucking toss-up between our midfield and, and Man U's. So if our, our front three or our front oh, four no. of Lacquer, Martinelli, Pepe and Aubameyang are top two pushing top three, I would say our midfield is definitely outside of the top four. Listen, not even that, right? And then there's this one key thing that you guys have missed with Ceballos, right? His range of passing 
in order to play that number eight role, the role that Emery wants to implement, right? He hasn't got a long range pass on him. Sabios thrives when there's a player that's what ten yards away from him. Yeah, pop, pop. if you watch the Southampton game, and I'm and, and I'm and I'm I don't want to bring this game up, but I have to. At one point, Guendouzi picks up the ball, and he's running into midfield. There are six Southampton players around him. Six. The closest player to Guendouzi in that passage of play was Ozil. And he was closer to the penalty box than he was to Guendouzi. And the only reason why he came into shot is because the camera panned to him. Because the camera panned towards him. So, our midfield doesn't have an understanding of distances. Our midfield doesn't have defined roles. Our midfield do not know what they're doing. And it doesn't help that there's not a leader in there to tell them where to go. Andrew, come back to me, mate. This whole simple thing about all of this is the fact that we have no coach. Our coach is is, is fucking retarded. And this is the, the, the whole problem with everything. You said about you said the big thing we're missing about Ceballos is the fact that he can't do the long range passing. He shouldn't need to, mate, because he should have players around him within ten yards. That's the problem. We shouldn't have massive gaps. And if we do want to do a long long ranging pass, well, let David Luiz do it then. We shouldn't have these oh. massive gaps. No, no, no. Listen, we're not being coached properly, and this is why we're a bunch of individuals. And it's all down to the coach, because when you look through our squad, player by player by player, then the problem is the fact that we're not being coached to actually play football. So when you actually think about um, the Leicester midfield, you wouldn't have said that, what you just said, last December, when Puyol was in charge, or whatever his name is, Claude Puel. They were dog shit, yeah. that team then. You wouldn't say, mm-hmm. if this squad we've got now, none of our players were getting that team then. It's down to the coach. Well, that I think coach has brought that team up, on right? in leaps and bounds. He's brought, them, he's brought that team on in leaps and bounds and they're confident and they're playing to a set system. And they don't have a, a different midfield every week. They don't have a different back four every week. They settled. And we haven't ever had that under this manager. And we've uh, all these players are new. And uh, the only coach they've known at Arsenal is this dumb fuck we've got now. So you cannot, that's why you can't judge the quality of our squad and how it plays at the moment because they haven't got a clue how to play football and they're worried about doing the wrong thing because when they're on the pitch, they probably forget, oh, what actually, what what system are we playing at the moment? When you look at Sheffield United, (laughs) would you think any of those players would get into our team? No, but they're above us in the league. Do you know why? Even though there are a bunch of League One players or Championship players, they they can actually close their eyes and play that football match because they know exactly where their teammates are without even looking. So that's the difference, mate. We, we, if we had Chris Wilder as a, as a manager, we would know exactly what we're doing. We'd be playing teams off the park. Now, we are a couple of players short. I'm not going to say that, obviously. We do need to steal strength from the squad. But no one can tell me that our players aren't good enough to reach the top four. When you look at Sheffield United playing other teams off the park, like they did with us, and make us look like a bunch of dumb fucks, like our manager. So that's the problem. (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. I I love that rant. I love that rant because, like I said on this platform, there are no rules and clearly you needed to have that rant, so I'm going to fucking allow it. All right? Max, I know you wanted to jump in. 
but I'm going to block you because you talk too fucking much, right? The defense. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out and say this one. Hell no, this defense is not top four quality. This this defense is not even top fifteen quality. I would argue one hundred percent we do not have one good defender, pure defender back there. We don't. We we don't. Kieran Tini has a high ceiling. I love what, I see, what I've seen of him. His delivery is amazing. And his defending for me, the way he defended Adama Traore, there's a player there. Because he recognized immediately that, whoa, if I stand, if I, you know, try to get close to this guy, he's just going to blow past me. So he understood that and stepped off Traore, covered his spaces appropriately and defended him really well. So there's a player in there. But everybody else, Bellerin, Socrates, Chambers... Holding Luis Mustafi. We have some terrible defenders. Forget tactics, forget all of that. As players, they are terrible. Now, we talk about leaders, right? We say that our midfield doesn't have leaders. When you look at our defense and you're looking at maybe Socrates and Luis, you would say to yourself, two experienced players. Luis has played for Brazil. He's won Champions Leagues. He's won the league. He's gone to PSG. He's played with great players. Okay. Experienced. Leader. Socrates, you can say the same thing. Both of them are absolute donkeys. This defense, definitely not a top four quality. And we overrate a lot of these players. Like Holden. Like Chambers to an extent. We overrate them. Because as defenders, they're still liable to make mistakes. They still do not know how to defend situations properly. That could be down to coaching. Whatever you want to put down to coaching, you can put down to coaching. But they're terrible defenders first and foremost. Anybody want to dispute that? Feel free, man. Jump on. Yeah, I I will. I, I think that they could be made to look a hell of a lot better than they are. By being protected properly in a proper system with a midfield set up in front of them that doesn't allow players to just run at them at will and take pot shots of 20 to 30 shots every single fucking match. And David mm. Luiz uh, is not the best defender in the world. No. But he's, he's never played shit. in it. He's no, he's never played in a team as dysfunctional as this in his life. Ever. He must now, be thinking, he, what have I done? It, I, could, so I could put up a good argument. I could put up a good argument to say you could stick Chambers and Holding at the back of playing in central defence for Liverpool or Man City and they would look world class because they're being protected. And the good thing about Tierney is I listen to uh, uh, the only when I when I look at managers or players or whatever, the best way of getting good feedback and really knowing how good they are is by looking at what the fans say about them. They go and watch them week in, week out. And mm. that's what I did about Unai Emery. You don't fucking listen to the media. Don't listen to the press. Don't listen to people that played with or worked with because they will just tell you what you want to hear. If you go and listen to the fans' feedback, that's why I knew that we got a dog shit manager as soon as we hired him because all the fans hate him <laughs> wherever he's been. Now, if you look at uh, Kieran Tierney, just 
just list, look at the way that all their fan, all the Celtic fans reacted when they knew that we were going to be buying them. They went fucking apeshit. And you listen to some Celtic um, podcasts. They absolutely love him, and they they will tell you how good he is at defending. So I'm I'm happy with with um, Kieran Tierney. He's going to be a very very good player for us for the next decade. Fingers crossed, and he will be coached properly as well. But I'm I'm Let's still going so. to argue that you can make bang average defenders look good as long as they're protected and don't encourage players to run up through it's like Moses parted the fucking Red Sea and allows everyone just to run straight through at our defenders any defender in the world even Virgil van Dijk will panic when they've got players running at them and taking 25-30 shots a match at them anyone mm, see I'm going to see I'm see I'm going to I'm going to go back, back a little bit on this one you may be able to make average defenders look good right for a time well, sooner rather than later, that mask is going to slip up because they keep on making errors. They cannot stay away from making those errors. Now, Max, like me, you are not a fucking fan of this defense. So tell me, man, is this defense top four quality? Bro? Don't, just, <laughs> just don't get me started on Socrates, by the way. By the way, I, I fucking hate <laughs> Fuck, fucking, fucking Socrates. Fucking Socrates is a fucking hack. Right, he's except useless. for the fact that fucking useless. Except for the fact that he looks like he's got a cock like a fucking tree trunk. Right, there's nothing good about. Will him. you stop talking about that man's dick? What What's <laughs> wrong with you and this guy's dick, bro? What is Man, with I, you and so- and Socrates's dick? You know, Greeks. You need to Greeks go to that dressing Greeks. room. You might need to. You might need to. Hold, hold on, Mike. You You might need to um put some lotion on your knees before your face because it seems to me that you and Socrates I mean you've got an obsession with that Greek dick so you might want to go to the Arsenal changing rooms and see whether he'd hook you up with, with something because it's, it's, stop mentioning this dick talk about his footballing it, it's please. not his cock anyway he's got a, he's got a kebab shoved down his shorts <laughs> <laughs> look I think talk about the, his football I, a bit talk about this defense I, man I think that in a way we've kind of we've kind of lost our way a little bit in the last two sectors because, again, the reason why this is so hard to do is because it comes down to coaching or a lot of it comes down to coaching. And I think, in a way, what we have to do, even backing up back onto the midfield as well, is not look at these guys as in are they being coached properly, to look at these guys as in as singular players, are they good enough? Are they good enough for top four? Are they good enough compared to other teams? You know, and even to a degree, nope. looking at that midfield, uh, yeah, looking at that midfield, no. I would take Kante over them. I'd take Jorginho over them. You know, the, I'd take Ndidi over them. And coming back to the defence, the defence, I think, is the most glaring place where I look at it and I say, I think that this is just abundances of averageness. I mean, across the board. I don't think that Socrates, even in a really well-coached midfield... And and let me put this caveat, because I agree with Andrew on this part, right? Can an average defender be serviceable in a system that suits them? Yes. Rob Huth, Wes Morgan, Leicester. There's your simple answer then. Wes Morgan and Rob Huth do not get into any top four team fucking anywhere on skill or ability, but in a system for Leicester, they were exceptional. So can you coach average players? Yes, you can absolutely coach average players. But that's not what we're doing. What we're doing is we're talking about whether or not 
when coached effectively, theoretically by the new manager who's coming in, is this squad good enough? The front three, no, yes, the, the no, no, the front, the front three, yes, they're good enough to be coached properly and be able to get get goals out of those guys. The midfield, it's a toss of a coin for me. The back is one hundred percent a no. <laughs> Louise is a terrible see, fucking I, I defender. See, I, don't, I don't even feel like he's the always midfield been is a terrible middle. defender. I don't think that you can make him a world class defender. Socrates is a fucking shit defender. But what we do with Socrates is he's like Action Man. And because he does these... Do you know what? He's actually not too dissimilar from Mustafi. Except Mustafi can pass a fucking ball. He's right? Socrates, Socrates loves a hero challenge. I said that, Andrew. I said to Toby after the last game. I said to him, I would rather Mustafi there. At least I would get a ball passed from front to back. Because Socrates is as much of a liability. He's as much of a hero. And... He may not go onto his ass as much as what Mustafi does, but he loves a fucking hero challenge as well. You know how you get hero challenges? You know why? The, the greatest defenders never really make hero challenges. You know why? Because they're in the right fucking position so they don't have to. They might make a couple per year where they do That's something really brave or something really yeah. exceptional. Right? But because he's always fucking out of position, because he's slow, because he gets turned because he's a poor passer of the ball. I think Socrates is a big reason why we bombed the passing out from the back. You know, he just couldn't fucking, couldn't fucking do it. See, uh, see, Rob, Hol- Max, Rob Max, Holding this is, is tough really, because again, we go, really because again, fucking... Max, hold on. Max, hold on. Hold on, Max. Again, when you say about the, the passing out from the back and, and, and Socrates and this and that, Socrates should have never been placed in that position in the first place. And we go, and this goes back to coaching because we can't get away from it. A person who knows his players and the strengths and weaknesses of their players would understand that Socrates is not the player you go to when you need to pass out from the back. So again, we go back to coaching, mate. We we can't escape it when we're talking about this squad. We we can't. And this is the hardest. We thing. can't. We're trying. So, we're trying to look at these players as individuals. We're trying to work out whether these guys are top four in their own right. I mean, Chelsea are no better off. I mean, fucking, you know, Kurt Zuma. Kurt Zuma. He's, he's not a. He's, he's, he's not a fucking top. <laughs> he's not a fucking top four defender either. You go to Man U. They're he's struggling. N- he's not. Top, but guess but, what? Zuma's he's not a top four defender but guess what even though he's in a, he's in a better team at the minute he's still making stupid errors right he's still getting caught under the ball he's still making stupid challenges right so again it goes back to can these can shit defenders be coached to look good sure for a time but that shit that they have in them is going to come out it's going to ooze out because they can't hide it no but they, they, listen the question was is this squad good enough to get into the top four this even is with this these a top defense, four listen, squad? listen, the person yeah. that bought Socrates should be fucking fired because he's a, yep. he's he useless, absolutely useless. He was no, he, he was no, 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 no. There's the, someone that went out there, scouted him, and said yes, we should buy. It, it wasn't Gazidis that, that said that no, the actually went out and scouted him. Anyway, well, yeah, that, that that's yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'll take that back then. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God then. Listen, that makes it even worse. Anyway, Socrates scouted him, did get fired. 
Good, good, good. You did. I'll take That's that back. Is. <laughs> anyway, Socrates shouldn't be anywhere near the fucking squad. Anyway, he's useless. But the uh, just the, just as an example, right? If you stuck Chambers and Holding is a centre of our defence. Like I said earlier, they played together for well. They used to play together for the England under twenty ones. They know each other. They're friends. They could work out a good enough partnership with enough protection in the rest of the team because it's not just down to the defenders to defend. Let's just let's remember that. It's the whole team mm. that defends. So if we had a good enough system, I still think we could, with the players that we've got, we could get into the top four. Now, I thought that was the question. Now, if we're going to talk about are they good enough to go forward, then no, they're not. But they could know. be we're coached about well enough. Good enough to... Yes, they mm-hmm. could be coached talk- well enough. To actually be spatially aware enough to know when to go, when to part, they could do. They could be coached well enough to get us into the top four, hundred percent. No, they're not good enough to take us to the next level to where we want to go. They will need replacing. But at the moment, as it stands, there's. I, I definitely think they could be coached well enough to do what they need to do to get us there this season. You, you really not with Socrates. he's he's a dead but they're part of the squad so Max I'm I'm gonna come to you right and then I've got two final questions because I fucking need to head off because I've got work right so my first question is this Max because we can't get away from because clearly we cannot get away from from coaching when it comes to to these players right because we've seen them from a coaching aspect I think we haven't seen these players enough away from Arsenal to fully determine whether they are what these guys are top for quality or not so we can't escape that coaching aspect when it comes to these guys right that's 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 clear from the discussion that we've had here so i got to ask you this banks looking at the defense right are some of these players uncoachable uh, no so, uh, no every player is coachable they they they're professional footballers they're coachable. They can be put into a system. I don't think our issue with our, our defenders is that they've gone rogue. You know, it's not like, you know, the fears for Louise was that, you know, when he was younger, he would go racing up into the midfield and vacate his space. And, you know, if anything, the David Louise that we've got is a, a scared old man who's standing five yards out from his box, literally standing on top of Leno's toes, trying not to get done by people running past him. You know, I don't know whether we've done that to him because, like Andrew said, you know, the, the quantity of shots and the, the penalties that he gave away early in the year, again, which can be argued that those players are just slicing through midfield and then they're straight onto the back four. So are they uncoachable? No. I, I'd say the only guy in that team who's, who, who actually seems to be very, very hard to coach, and I know he's coming back from injury, is Hector Bellerin because he's always been the same player. He's always been a, a player who vacates right back. He's always been a player who's not a fantastic defender. You know, he's he's been a guy who, when Arsenal are on the front foot and when Arsenal are playing a high possession based game, he's he's proven to be a cog in that wheel that can be very very beneficial. He's an inside right player. He doesn't get chalk on his boots. He's not a Tierney player who likes to get wide and whip crosses in. In fact, Bellerin's general crossing is is pretty shit most of the time. He's more of a passing right mm. back of all of the players in that back four the guy who i feel is probably the the two guys who are probably the least coachable i don't think socrates is particularly coachable at this stage in his career 
I think he's not coachable just based mm-hmm. on physical attributes. He is what he is. But I do have my fears about Hector. I do have my fears about whether or not he's overrated because of a, a, a feeling that we have towards him being, inverted commas, one of our own. Hmm. He He's not good enough going forward. Um, when I say going forward, I mean future. He's for the future. He's uh, he need, he mm. will need replacing. He's a, he's a good player, but he's not very good. He's he's very overrated. Um, but he's he's good enough for now to get us to you know to improve. And I think he can be improved by a good coach. But he's not a player that we need to be thinking about to keep long term if we want to really improve as a club. If someone came in with big money okay. for him, Andrew. Let's just say someone came in in the so, summer and was like, I'll, I'll take him off your hands for, fuck, let's call it 55 million pounds. The greater take, fan base definitely. the greater fan base would say no. They'd say no. no I'd, say, I'd say yes. You need to be ruthless. 100%. And you need to, yeah, I'll take it. I'd snap the hand off. 100%. Personally. Likewise. Now, my my final question, right? And I'm going to give you guys an example in this final question. And it's all about mentality. And we touched it, we touched on a little bit with Torreira, all right? And the question is, is, is it's around mentality. Like, we talk about the, the, the top, top level players, right? You, your, your Ronaldo's, your Messi's. And you can even, in the Premier League at the moment, you can put Raheem Sterling up there, right? In the, in the top 10, I would say. So we talk about mentality and the mentality of I'm going to make it. I'm going to be in this team. I'm going to make this position my own and nobody is going to take that away from me. Now, the first part of this question is, is there any player within this squad that has that sort of mentality? The second part of this question is, can that mentality be coached? into these players now why i came up with that with this question is i look at somebody like maitland niles maitland niles came out earlier this season and he said i'm not a defender right and i look at a player like maitland niles and i think to myself you have not got the mentality to be a top footballer and to make it at a club like arsenal because you should have used the example of lauren before you who came into the squad and was a right midfielder. But he understood and he was told that you're only going to make it at Arsenal if you took, if you transform yourself into a right back. And he came out in an interview and said it himself. I knew that this was my only opportunity to make it at Arsenal and I knuckled down in training and I made sure I learnt that position because I wanted to make it. And I look at somebody that made Lanaus and I ask him, like, and I tell myself, you do not have that mentality. So, Max, I'm going to come to you first. How many players, if any, within this squad has that mentality to become a top player? Two is the answer. Two. And there's a reason why. So, Matteo Genduzzi, Matteo Genduzzi and Callum Chambers. And I, I actually have a really good reason why they have the mentality to become top players. Everyone okay. in the Arsenal squad, every single player in that Arsenal squad have either come from 
top clubs, top systems, or through the Arsenal youth system. Coddled. Coddled throughout their entire careers. And this is the thing with an apex club. And I mean, as much as we're struggling with Arsenal at the moment, it's still an apex club. right? And the problem with apex, apex clubs and apex players and youth system players is that these guys have been since they were 13 led to the high road told that they were always going to make it. So when it comes time to actually knuckle down and be adaptable and go in and fight and know that you're going to get a role, you're going to get a run and you're going to get your position and you've got to hold that position, there's two guys who I think have shown it this season on that element and two guys who I think that given time could actually be maybe not Chambers world-class but a top, top player. And the reason is is that Genduzzi has come from second division France, not made it in the PSG Youth Academy and had to take a step down. I'll throw Martinelli in there as well. Mm-hmm. Right? They've had to go yep. down to the lower leagues where they've had to scrap for it and they've had to fight and they've had fucking 36-year-old nobodies double-fucking-legging them because it's their last chance. Right? And now they've come up and they've got their chance and they seem to have grabbed it. Callum Chambers had all but lost all but lost his way. He'd been farmed off to Borough. He'd been farmed off to Fulham. He understands what it is to be in a relegation battle. He understands what it is to fight because he has fought it. He's done it. He's gone down into a team and he's fought for relegation. He's been relegated and he has tasted what it is not to be at the top level. I think Genduzi stepping down from PSG has tasted what it is not to be at the top level. Martinelli has never had fucking anything, right? He's poor family. Manny, you and I were talking about this. We were talking about like Sadio Mane in his interviews, talking about mm. like kicking around a ball made of dirt, you know, buying his family houses. You know, that, that concept for me, that idea that these guys have tasted defeat and they're not going back, they're never going back, they only look forward. That's why I think those mm. guys have the ability to be top, top level players maybe not world-class players but top top level professionals and that's why those guys have gone and got positions and held on to them you look at chambers since he came back in the team i think i'm man of the match chambers three out of four games at right back Mm -hmm. at right back i mean montero stuck his fucking cock so far inside chambers at right back a couple of years ago (laughs) that chambers is still coughing up fucking jizz Right And Chambers overcame that, and he went back to fucking right back. And he's playing that well, carrying Montero on his back, because Montero's still fucking inside him. That's why you haven't seen Montero play. He's under Chambers' shirt with his cock up his ass. Still, and Chambers has fucking come back. That's why those two players, that's why those two players have fought for their positions. And that's why people like Ainsley Maitland-Niles couldn't fight for their positions. Because I followed Maitland-Niles very closely throughout the under-21s. And he was never anything short mm-hmm. of a sure thing. A sure thing at the top level. I mean, to the point where we were talking about him replacing Ramsey. We are talking about, you know, athleticism in midfield and ability on the ball. He has all of that. He doesn't have mentality. And when he was put into a position where he had the choice between be an Arsenal player and play at right back or be mediocre and slip back into the background, he took be mediocre. Because he knows he's not good enough, unfortunately. 
I think so. The person you missed out of that as well is the guy next to Chambers, hopefully, Rob Holding. He's the yep, same. another guy. He came yep. from Bolton. Yep. From mm. Bolton Wanderers. He knows how lucky he is as well. And so are you I seeing my, lo- are you seeing my logic? You're seeing my logic about yeah. these guys who have come from nothing and they're not going back? Yeah, I mean, 100%. Eddie and Ketia, 100%. as well. Mm-hmm. But he's he came through the academy, but I think he's different. I really, really think he's different as well. And uh, do you know what also gives me confidence in that? That Ian Wright thinks he's different. He can see a lot of himself in him. And that gives me confidence because I was listening to the Stadia podcast today, which was brilliant, where they interviewed Ian Wright about the art of finishing. And yeah, it was really really good I recommend listen to it and he is he's taken Eddie and Ketty under his wing and he's through no it's nothing to do with the club he's doing it off his own back and just talking to him on a daily basis keeping him motivated he can he, he can see a lot of himself in him and I can as well with the way he moves in the box the way he finishes he's no airs or graces to Eddie and Ketia. he but I think he could be an elite goal scorer in the in, just on the six yard box just just tappings, 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 because he's going to be in the right place at the right time. Um, so I, I think he's definitely one worth worth sort of really looking after and giving a chance next season. I just wish he could get more um, starts with Leeds. Um, but I think he's got it as well, the hunger, okay. the mentality. Um, but mm. you're, probably in, you're probably right. I can't think of anyone else. And the okay. ones that you've mentioned... I would actually like to keep all of those players. The rest, they can just, if they don't want to be there, they don't want to be up for the fight, they can just go or take the office for them. I don't, well, I think, I don't T- want any I think maybe Tierney. Right maybe Tierney as well. Yes, maybe oh, yes, yes. That, that was going to mention call. him. Good yeah. shout. I was going to mention shout. him, yeah. I can't believe I, I didn't think of him either. But yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. I, I, well, maybe I, we I see him. Maybe, maybe that's because we see Tierney as almost not a finished product, but almost so, so rusted on so rusted on to be able to do it that we kind of, I, I didn't think about him in that development phase, he's which a, is crazy because he's a developing player. We haven't even probably seen 70% of, of his oh, ability no, yet. That, yeah. But again, you know, coming up through the Irish he, leagues. He reminds me of um, Nigel Winterburn a lot of the way he plays. And I talked to Nigel Winterburn on the show about, you know, Kieran Tierney and he's like, he's an old school player. He just he really mm. he, he gets he gets stuck in. He works hard. He, he doesn't try and be flash. He just defends well and he goes forward and attacks well. And it, even to the to the extent that he tucks his shirt in, that's proper proper eighties. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, he, 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 yeah, he does man. though, doesn't he? He just he, he doesn't. Yeah. You know, when he when he got the call to come down and sign for Arsenal, he was at the park playing football with his mates. You know, yeah. no doubt yeah, at all, drinking story, yeah. a bit of booze, drinking a bit of white lightning. But he, <laughs> he's old school, and I like I, that's what I love about him. I wonder okay. if um, I wonder if the the crux of this podcast. I wonder if what we've actually uncovered here, kind of without without intent, is the answer to the 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 answer to the question is actually to pose another question. Is Arsenal squad top four? Yeah. Does it have the mentality? I don't think so. I think that I, I think that there, there, I think so there is a mentality gap 
in this squad, that the next coach, that's going to be the thing that they have to uncover. That's going to be the thing that they have to get moving to get this squad to top four because there's not enough winners in this team. And I wonder if you had the same players in the same shit system with the same shit coach, but there were more players with winning mentalities, with working mentalities, that maybe we wouldn't be as bad as we are. Maybe we'd be a, an average team, but well, we'd so be an average you know, team hovering you know, around say one, I'll just say one thing about that. And the, it does exist in our squad because without that mentality on two occasions this season, we wouldn't have come back against Spurs and we wouldn't have won mm. that game against Villa. And that was nothing mm-hmm. to do with the coach. That was the players. No, that's not enough. That was the players saying, fuck this. And they took it upon themselves to actually go and go ahead and either get a point or win those games. And even Callum no, Chambers gave, a, gave an answer saying that the coach was screaming at him to stop getting forward, wouldn't he? And he just ignored him. He ignored him. No, th- 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 that's not enough. No, that, no, that's no. Not I, enough. I, I'm not saying it is, man. Do you know, do you know but why... it, it was a spark. It was there somewhere. It wasn't enough. It may have been, but it's it may somewhere have been a spark. That's all I'm saying. Listen, do, what I'm like mentality for me, right? Has has you can break it off into different segments, right? Mentality is when you go back to games last season against Brighton, when top four is on the line. And we're one nil up, but we can't we can't shut it down. Against Palace, when we go out with this this arrogant attitude and we don't execute. You Bridge. know what I mean? So so mentality is not just it's not just about, you know, they've come from nothing and, and, and this and that. It's about okay, we're not playing well here, but we need just enough. We can do just enough to get over the line. Because when you get to April and May, it is not about performances. Performances that 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 goes out the window. It's all about getting the job done, right? And I don't believe that within this squad, there is that mentality to go out and understand that, you know what, we may not win this game 2-0, 2-1, 3-1, but let's just get the job done. 100%. There's not enough for that. No, I- There's not enough for that. So what we have uncovered, Max, you are right, that maybe this squad is top four quality, but they don't believe that they are top four quality. Yeah. They don't have that that belief and that mentality that, you know, we can go out here and we can win this game 1-0. We can win this game 2-0 or we can nick that last minute winner to, to, to get us over the line. They don't have that. When you look at it, you think that there's David Luiz, there's World Cup winners, there's a there's a Bamayang, there's league winners. They, you know, you would think that there's enough winners in there, but they haven't got that mentality. It hasn't been drilled into them that they are good, that they can go out there and make it. So I guess I've answered the second part of my question. They haven't been coached that sort of mentality because I believe you can be coached that. I believe when you have a coach that believes in you that much, that believes in, in your ability, that can show you when you've been good, that can show you when you've been back, that, that when you've been bad, that can work with you. We don't have that. I don't think these guys have it. So it doesn't matter whether they've won things. Now they're in a position where that belief, if they had it before, has been coached out of them. Mm-hmm. And they don't believe in their own abilities either. 100%. So, oh man. Gents, we've come to the end of this shit because I need to get to work. I've already messaged my line manager while I was at this. I told him I'm late. There's things at home that I need to deal with. So, whatever. It is what it is. I'm leaving the job at the end of the week anyway. So, I don't really care. 
but Andrew, man, thank you for coming on. Been a pleasure. I'm I'm hoping to have you on again at some time. I'm hoping to come and desecrate your your space <laughs> sooner rather than later. Where can people find you, man? Get, like, plug your your socials, man. Where can people find you? Uh, Twitter is at from Dial Square, and you can search from Dial Square to Wear on YouTube, and you can search from Dial Square to Wear for the audio version of all my podcasts on the usual platforms everywhere. So yeah, please do, and um, I'd love to get you guys on the show. Pretty I soon. think we are. Love, we're we're on it. with you on the we're on with you on the fourth or the fifth of December, I think. That's it, and I hope you are too as well, Manny. If you can, uh, if you can make the time. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I can make the time. That'd be fantastic. Just give me a shout. That'd be... Give me a shout. I don't know how to get hold of you, Manny. You're like the invisible man. You are on the openly search the socials. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I am on. I am on socials, man. I will. I will send you my social when we're done here because I don't want anything. I don't want no, most no, people to find me. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And then Twitter is a cesspit of negativity and stupidity, so I, I avoid it like the plague. Well, you don't to, you know? Uh, but whatever, don't you I, know, I, I'm Andrew? Sure you, you're you're just. Don't you know that Manny is a figment of my imagination and it's just me putting on a black person? <laughs> well, I think he's got to get to his voiceover job to have his silky smooth skills. Yeah, and put those to, put those to good use, man. You know, those voiceovers. I'm trying. Are... <laughs> I'm trying, man. I, I know there's a market for it. Oh. So I need to find it, man. You never know. I think I'm, I'm, think I'm not using my talents, but I, I've, hey, we'll, we'll see. Maybe you'll see me in a registration or doing a movie i don't know no i don't know who knows man adverts who knows? adverts for panty liners and stuff like that you should you know you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh that works man wherever i'm getting paid i'm not complaining <laughs> you know what i mean max well then max cheers mate it's been a pleasure bruv yeah I'll speak to good you luck soon. in your um golf tournament. your golf thingy you yep. know what i mean hey man good luck with that gents it's been a pleasure hey if you have any questions for us, if you have any you know, topics you would like us to discuss, send us a message, man. Max, what's the what's the social media thing for this? Uh, Twitter and Facebook for us is at Aspros Rent. See, that's how you know how, how professional I am. I don't even know our own damn socials, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, gents. Thank you very much, man. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, Take care. Bye bye.